Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. everyone gathered here and everyone who's watching and listening online. It's good to be with you today. And it's also a privilege and a pleasure to work alongside Heather. I love it when I get to preach while she paints. I just wish I could preach as well as she paints. For that matter, I wish I could paint as well as she preaches. If, if we were to switch roles, you'd still hear a good sermon, but all you'd have over there are stick figures to look at. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and we will begin reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And I wonder if Gabriel did a double take when he was dispatched to deliver his message to a young virgin living in Nazareth. Nazareth is Hebrew for middle of nowhere. And the region of Galilee was not on any company's short list for relocating their headquarters. And the woman, the young woman to whom he is sent, well, she's young, maybe 12 to 14 years of age. And she's a nobody. She has no social status. We can tell from other references and inferences, she was also poor. She was peasant poor. And she's the one to whom Gabriel is sent. We continue reading. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I love that she's not surprised by Gabriel showing up. 
That's not what gets her. Most everyone else in the Bible, when an angel shows up, they are terrified. But not Mary. No, what surprises her is what he says to her, his greeting. Greetings to you, you who are highly favored. Well, what in the world could that mean? No one has ever spoken to her that way before. And why would she now suddenly be the recipient of God's favor? I can imagine her narrowing her eyes as if to ask the angel, all right, buddy, what are you selling? And what he's selling is good news. So he continues, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Gabriel comes to offer Mary the opportunity of a lifetime. She can be the mother of the king, the long-awaited Messiah whose kingdom will never end. And Mary is not opposed to this idea. It's good to be the king. It's also good to be the king's mother. But she does have one question. She says, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. Now, this is not a question of doubt. This is really a question of practicality. There are plenty of stories in the Bible about God opening the wombs, especially the wombs of older women, like her relative Elizabeth and older women giving birth. But a virgin pregnancy is a conception in a completely different category. How is this supposed to work? She asks the angel and Gabriel tells her, it's the Holy Spirit who will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Gabriel goes on to describe how God is already on the move in this. He said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is able, unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary's response to this unprecedented, jaw-dropping proposal is to say, may it be so in me. May what you're saying be true in me. May it be so. She willingly accepts the role God has chosen for her to play in God's story. She says yes to God. Count me in. And a little later, the now pregnant Mary goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And the older woman blesses Mary twice. Verse 42 and 45, Luke chapter one. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. She says it again. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary responds to this double blessing from Elizabeth with a song. 
that can be prayed, or maybe it's a prayer that can be sung. It's a prayer song. It's a song prayer. And before we read her words, some of which we've already sung this morning, remember, these are coming from the heart of a 12 to 14-year-old peasant girl. I also think it's important that we read and hear her words in a female's voice. So I've asked Heather to break away from her painting for just a moment and read these words to us. Heather's been praying over, meditating over this prayer, this song from Mary all week long as she's prepared to paint. Hear the words of Mary. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. These lyrics are from a poor young woman who is on top of the world. She believes that she is carrying within her the answer to generations of prayer and longing. Her song is revolutionary because she believes that now the revolution of God is coming. And it's going to turn the world upside down. And she believes that she is playing an essential role within it. For Mary, the first Christmas, the birth of Christ, was a dream come true. After Jesus is born in Luke chapter 2, shepherds show up to see the baby. And the shepherds have their own story to tell. They tell of how angels appeared to them while they were in the field. And they tell Mary and Joseph what the angels said to them about Jesus and what they said Jesus would do and who he would grow up to be. And Luke tells us in verse 19 of chapter two that Mary heard all of these things the angel said about her baby and she pondered them, treasured them in her heart. Undoubtedly, at this moment, Mary is the most blessed woman in the world. She is the mother of the king. But what exactly does it mean to be blessed in Jesus' story? What does it mean to be a blessed character in the story of God? Even the most blessed woman 
in the world? Well, let's follow the thread of Mary's story in the Gospels and find out. We might be surprised. It's not long after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph take him to Jerusalem and present him at the temple. And there they meet an old man named Simeon who prophesies over the baby Jesus and then says this to Mary directly. Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Simeon said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your soul also. This is the first hint we get of the price Mary will pay for being the mother of Jesus. A sword will pierce your soul also. And then later on in chapter two, when Jesus is 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lose him for three days. For three days, they do not know where Jesus, this baby the angels told about, they don't know where Jesus is for three days. And then they do eventually find him in Jerusalem at the temple. And when that happens, Luke chapter two, verse 48, tells us that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Some translations say, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Hmm. He puts his father's business above his mother's concern for him. Mary kept these things in her heart. She's still blessed, but now I have to believe she's also a bit perplexed. A sword will pierce your soul also. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Where is this story going? And then years later, after Jesus has grown up and he begins his ministry, Luke tells us in chapter eight that his mother and brothers go to see him. He's surrounded by a crowd and they go to see him. Mark tells us in his gospel, they don't just go to see him, they go to get him and take him home because they think he's lost his mind. They do not understand what he's doing in his ministry or why he's doing it. And they decide it's time for an intervention. Something's wrong with Jesus and Mary and his brothers come to get him. Well, in Luke 8, Luke says his mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Your family's outside. And Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. 
Jesus' mother and brothers think he's crazy. They do not understand his ministry. And he redefines his family as those who hear God's word and put it into practice. At this point, I have to believe Mary is the most confused woman on earth. Because Jesus is not turning out to be the kind of king or really the kind of son she expected. And then at the end of Jesus's life, John tells us in his gospel that his mother Mary is there with him at the cross. She's there watching her son, the king, wearing a crown of thorns, die. Remember that young peasant girl who said, may it be so? Count me in. I will be known as blessed among women for generations. She had no idea it would end like this. From the most blessed to the most confused to the most disappointed to the most heartbroken woman in the world. A sword will pierce your soul also, the old man said. None of the gospel writers tell us that the resurrected Jesus specifically appeared to his mother. I wish they did. Surely he did though, right? How could he have not? What Luke does tell us in Acts chapter one is that after Jesus's resurrection and ascension, when the disciples gather, he tells us that Jesus's mother Mary is there numbered among the disciples. She's a believer in the resurrected and exalted Christ. Twice in her life, she lost her son for three days and then got him back. And she is now the most joyful woman in the world. She's also the only one think about it, she's the only one in the story who was present at Jesus's birth, throughout his ministry, at his death on the cross, and after his resurrection and ascension. She is the most gospeled, not just woman, but person in the world. She knows and understands the shape and the nuances of the gospel story better than anyone. Who do you suppose was Luke's source for the first two chapters of his gospel. He says he consulted sources putting his gospel together. Who do you suppose was Luke's source for those first two chapters when Mary plays such a prominent role? Now, we don't know for certain, but couldn't it have been Mary? She knew the whole story 
from beginning to end. And as we've already seen, a major theme in the early part of Mary's story is just how blessed she is. She is the most blessed woman in the world, but what does it mean to be a blessed character in God's story? I know what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that a sword will never pierce our soul. It doesn't mean that we will not lose those we love the most for a time. It doesn't mean that Jesus will never confuse us and confound us. It doesn't mean that we will never doubt what Jesus is doing or how Jesus is doing it. And it doesn't mean that we will never be disappointed or have our hearts broken. It also doesn't mean that our lives are going to turn out the way we think they will when we're 13 or 18 or 28 years old. Mary's story shows us that a blessed life is not always an easy life, and it's often burdened with uncertainty, disappointment, pain, and heartbreak. Now, I wonder if there's anyone here today or anyone watching online who is thinking, God can't possibly use me. Not right now, not at this point in my life. God can't use me. Not right now, I'm too confused. My life is not turning out the way I thought it would. God can't possibly use me. I am too disappointed in God right now. I do not see the wisdom in the way God is running the world. I do not understand why God allows what God allows to happen in the world. God can't use me right now. I'm struggling with doubt. My faith is not as strong as it once was when I was young, when I was so certain about the future. God can't use me. My journey is too up and too down, and there's way too many downs. Well, if that's your experience today, it doesn't sound to me like you're disqualified from being part of Jesus' story. Instead, it sounds to me like you're an awful lot like Jesus' mother. And you're exactly the kind of person that God has always used to move God's story forward, which is, in this story, what it means to be blessed, what it means to live a blessed life. A blessed life is a life that God uses to bless others, to bring more blessing into the world. A blessed life is a life that God uses to bring more gospel, more good news, more of Jesus into the world. In spite of, sometimes because of, and often through our disappointment, our pain, and our heartbreak. In Luke 11, we read that as Jesus was teaching, a woman in the crowd called out and said, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, I don't see Jesus diminishing his mother in this response. This is not an insult to his mother. What he's saying is that any, any one of you in that crowd, 
Any one of you can be as blessed as my mom is blessed if you'll do what my mom did. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who say, may it be so in me. Blessed are those who say yes to God. Which is exactly what Jesus' mother did. Young Mary did not have it all figured out when she said yes. She had no idea where all of this was going when she said, may it be so, count me in. But her may it be so and her yes to God carried her through the confusion, the disappointment, and the heartbreak until she finally did see her son raised and exalted as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And today, may your yes to God, may your, may it be so in me, offered with as much faith as you can muster this Christmas season, may it carry you through your disappointment, your disillusionment, your doubts, your heartbreak, your loss, until someday you too see the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. May it be so with all of us. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.